Welcome to the Digital Nomad Cafe podcast, the show where we discuss what it takes to create a sustainable long-term online business in today's fast-moving environment. We talk with industry experts and freelancers alike to find out what it takes to build and manage a location-independent business. Hello and welcome back to the Digital Nomad Cafe podcast. If this is your first time listening, this is a show where we have honest and transparent conversations around building and managing an online business, freelancing and remote work lifestyle. New episodes are available with your favorite podcast player through iTunes, Stitcher and Spotify, or you can sign up at digitalnomadcafe.com to be notified when a new show is released. On today's episode, I'm talking with Katie Uniak and we're going to be discussing building a freelance translation and copywriting business. Katie is from the UK and currently lives in Granada, Spain, and has been living there as a digital nomad and freelancer for just about over a year. Hope you enjoyed this episode um, and head over. make sure you leave us a review and a rating on iTunes and Spotify if you liked it. Uh, it all really helps with the show. So thank you. Appreciate it. And I hope you find this episode actionable and insightful. So I'm very excited to bring you today's guest, Katie Uniak. Katie, how are you doing today? Hi, I'm very well, thank you. Very pleased to be here. Thank you for joining me. So, Katie, you're based over in Granada in Spain, is that correct? Yes, yeah, I'm here in the south of Spain where spring is just about sprung. And yeah, it's, um, it's a lovely place to be. And you have a lovely English accent by the sounds of it. <laughs> so you're clearly now, did, did you grow up in Spain or um, where, where about? No, I grew up in the east of England, um, a little town in the east of England, and I, my family is actually now based in Cornwall, which is a beautiful part of the UK. Um, but I moved out to Granada about a year and maybe 14 months ago. Sweet. So, so you, you moved over to Granada and you fell in love with the city and, you know, you decided not to leave. So when you moved over to Granada... Um, you know, were you working online or, you know, what can you wind us back to, you know, I guess how you got started um, with your online business and maybe give a high level overview of what it is that you do for um, for your clients and what your services? Yeah, so um, I'm a translator. Um, so I do Spanish and Portuguese into English and a copywriter. And I got started with both at, in the final year of university, which was I graduated in 2016. Um, and then I kind of just kind of stumbled into it. Um, my cousins have a copywriting agency and they gave me some work and I'm just sitting at my laptop one day being like, wow, I can actually get paid just to sit here in my room and write words. Um, and then I realized I could start translating as well. And then I went off to Mexico for a year where I was teaching English part-time at a university and that was about 12 hours a week. So I had the rest of the time which was just, and that was paying my bills, um, my rent, and obviously life out in Mexico is really cheap. So the rest of the time I could just, when I wasn't, you know, I also did a lot of traveling and um, made the most of it, but I had a lot of time to work on building up a client base, um, which was brilliant. That was kind of taught me a lot about the luxury of having the time to get these things off the ground. Um, and I, by the end of that, I was kind of earning enough that I was like, actually, I could make a go of this anywhere in the world. So I went, moved back home, moved back in with my parents for six months and just didn't really spend any money or do much apart from work on the business for that six months. And then by the time January 2018 came around, I 
had to kind of a good consistent income enough to be able to support myself and not have to worry especially Granada is the cost of living is very cheap um and I had some friends out here so out I came and yeah it's all gone I can't believe I've been here for a year already but it's um it's a great place to be freelancing yeah it looks like a beautiful city Uh, it's not exactly by the coast so it's not one I've, I've ever visited but the more people I talk to about it they love it because it's not your typical uh let's say Spanish touristy resort and it's not as not as mental I guess and not as busy as the likes of Barcelona and Valencia which are both beautiful and cool cities but I mean Barcelona is fairly hectic <laughs> if you've ever been there yeah. I'm sure you know what I mean and yeah, yeah. um Valencia apparently is a little less hectic but it's still you know a million million odd people and it's it's fairly big whereas Granada I think is about 300,000 people so it's a much yeah. smaller um city uh, to to live in so um no, that's, that's brilliant I guess there's a couple of little points there to circle back on so um, I mean you know you you got to start by you know a, a cousin who had a business and you, you started working with them and then when you started trying to build clients outside of that business I guess how did you go about that were you on the freelancer sites did you ask for referrals can you talk a little bit to, I guess how you started to grow your client base outside of you know the people who you knew let's say yeah, so it was it was the typical Fiverr and Upwork um, that most freelancers seem to get their start on. Um, and so started with Fiverr and just had little bits of work here and there, people coming to me whilst I was at university. And when I left uni, that's when I started, I had the time and energy available to dedicate to Upwork, which obviously, as I'm sure you know, you have to really put in the hours to get your first clients and to be pitching and looking for jobs. Um, and yeah, I just started to find some clients on there, got repeat work, um, got some good reviews and one of those clients who I just, I think I'd been writing for him on, I just know the best pillows for side sleepers or something equally, the kind of thing that everybody does when they're cutting their teeth. Um, and he asked me if I wanted to be the kind of virtual assistant, but editor on his, um, he has a few Amazon affiliate websites on various different niches and he said 20 hours a week at you know next to nothing rate an hour but in Mexico that was a lot of money um because the daily you know the average wage there is shockingly low um and the cost of living is also incredibly low um so no, a hundred percent. I guess just when 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 I was living over in Thailand, I, I would do uh, five hundred words for ten dollars, and you know that was all right in Thailand because I could I could easily knock out you know forty fifty articles a week, which is four or five hundred quid, and my rent was like three hundred dollars for the month. So it was like, yeah. you know what I mean? It w- it was relative, but um, I, I guess there comes a point where like like you're saying, if you move back to England or if you move to a a bigger city you know, you have to step up your pricing and, and start to make, um, I guess, enough that you can live in a, you know, in a city if you wanted to or in, a, in, in a, you know, one of those areas that would have a higher cost of living. So, um, you know, how did you approach that with regards to Upwork and stuff? You know, so did you get your, your start by doing, like you're saying, doing some uh, lower cost work to build up your review and your profile? And then did you, did you grow with that client or did you then, you know, let's say, look, at you know, increase your rate um, and, and let go of that client? How did that look? Um, well, I didn't actually hang around on Upwork all that long because I had a bad experience with a client trying to 
um, pay me outside of the platform, but telling me about like asking me via the platform if I would be okay with that. And Upwork were immediately like, right, you out. Because obviously they don't um, appreciate people that are trying to get away without paying the 20% commission, even though I hadn't actually agreed to that. But um, anyway, so they said, no, you're gone. So I didn't actually have a chance to start um, building up my rates on Upwork really, but I already had the clients about probably five or six clients from there that I took with me and um no way sorry yeah. just to jump in there. so Upwork kicked you for a, mer- a client trying to pay you outside yeah. of the platform yeah they did <laughs> that is ludicrous I know. absolutely mental if anyone from Upwork is listening shame on you <laughs> that's nuts and you couldn't even make a case and send them screenshots no oh my god that's terrible no, they immediately, the first email they send you saying you're banned is basically also says, do not contact us again um, because we don't want to hear from you. And I was like, oh, okay. But it was a good pick because it meant that I went from considering, you know, the one cents a word, two cents a word jobs and was suddenly like, actually, I have to make a serious go of this on my own. And I started looking on some like actual, for translation, I moved on to some kind of more professional translation focused forums um and i'm still on those i pay for membership on translators cafe and pros um and that's where i've found all my translation work really um all the agencies that i work for anyway have come through those two um yeah so so those are reputable places where let's say agencies will go to hire people who ha- have enough of an investment in their skill set that they're willing to pay to be a member um, to, you know, to pitch for that work. So it's kind of a different, uh, yeah, as you say, it's a more, more professional arena to put yourself in to, to get the work. And I imagine the, the price you get for your work is higher. Would that be correct? Yeah. I mean, there is, you know, very low paid work on that, um, but you don't have, you don't accept it if it's too low, if the rate isn't acceptable to you, you just, let somebody else um take the job uh, there are translators obviously that because i'm you know i feel like i'm charging respectable rates for my translation these days but the translators out there that charge double triple what i charge um and they a lot of them that there are some people who are just as skeptical about translators cafe and prose as writers are about upwork and fiverr they still see them as content mills but for me they've been really really beneficial um yeah and and have you found aligning yourself with uh, people who let's say have um you know seo is essentially what you're digging at there because i guess i i I will be definitely involved in the world of you know building websites that you're trying to do affiliate stuff for like amazon affiliate exactly what you're talking about there so like best pillows for side sleep and best you know best coffee machine for under a hundred dollars whatever you're writing stuff like this so have you found that aligning yourself with you know people who are building those sort of sites and trying to expand into new markets um like let's say a little bit less uh less competitive and less advanced markets outside of you know your typical english uh websites have you seen a rise in that people trying to do that sort of stuff yeah i don't have any clients really that have that that kind of client anymore. I still work a bit with that original client with the the pillows. Um, and he's, you know, got various websites on the go, but other than him, I haven't really worked with Amazon affiliate sites just because, you know, I don't know, morally 
it's hard to kind of <laughs> Amazon. Fair enough. Hate writing about it. And, um, you know, do I want to be selling that stuff to people? A lot of it. But some of it, it's been really beneficial. Like he had one um, website which was about, um, about what was it, travel backpacks. And he did a whole part on like sustainable materials and sustainable. And so I could kind of really get involved with that. But, um, yeah, mostly um, I just struggle to get enthusiastic about anything that's not, I'm not actually interested in these days or don't believe in. That That's cool. And and I guess that's the progression of, of your career. Right. You know, when you start out, you'll kind of write exactly. a little bit about whatever yeah. because cause you're building your profile, you're building your confidence too and your, and your belief in yourself and what your capabilities are. And then you're like, oh, okay, I don't really need to do those articles about that stuff I don't believe in. Um, so you, you can be a little bit more selective with your work. So. That's a good place to be. And and I guess, uh, so outside of those um, arenas, like, you know, the, the places that you're mentioned there where you could uh, pitch for the work, you know, have you found social media helpful for growing your business? Yeah, specifically for um, the writing side, the copywriting side, um, like connecting with direct clients um, through Facebook groups. Um, I'm not very good at taking like an active part in professional Facebook groups, but like I kind of know I've got a few contacts who do, and then they tag me in things, which I really <laughs> appreciate. Um, so I've got a few jobs through that and things like I work with a couple of um, freelance translators whose first language isn't English. So I'm perfect for them because my knowledge of the translation industry teamed with my copywriting skills means that I can create really good copy for their website or their newsletter or check their because obviously they're all very they speak English very well but they just need someone to like double check um their content or blog posts they've written so that's been really beneficial um and Twitter is great as well for building community especially it's very strong around content writing copywriting especially in the UK there's a big kind of seems like a very strong Twitter community um, and people are very supportive and encouraging. Um, and yeah, no, Twitter is, I've found to be really, really beneficial in the last year, especially. Brilliant. And I guess you you hit a real good one on the head there, which is, you know, if other people are tagging you and stuff, and you tend to see that in these Facebook groups. If people know, you know, you're the you're a writer, or you're a translator, or, and you know, often people see things and they just know, and that's brilliant because you're turning other people into your salespeople, even inadvertently, like you're saying, they're your friends, but they know what you do, you know, and they'll tag you, and then that other person uh, might reach out to you directly, and uh, you know, therefore you're generating work. But it's brilliant that you have people who'll do that for you, so that's awesome. <laughs> it is good because I don't know about you, but these days I don't really use Facebook personally anymore, so. Um, I just don't really go on it. Um, so I do just wait for those notifications to come through saying you've been tagged. And I, I know I should because the professional groups are very good places to find work. But, you know, you can't do everything. So. I, I totally agree and I mean the main I swear I've often said this like I would delete Facebook altogether if it wasn't for Facebook groups um, because I mean I'm in a couple of groups you know especially around SEO um, I'm doing the authority hacker uh, it's called authorityhacker.com I'm doing their course which is around build, building authority websites and like you know I'm in that group and a couple of podcasting ones and honestly I mean I get most of my podcast guests through Facebook groups you included um, it's it's you no know, but genuinely it's where I literally 
I like go into all these different groups around digital nomads, entrepreneurs and writers and whatever. And I just ask, you know, who wants to come on? Because um, at the end of the day, it's about me sharing other people's journeys and stories. It's, it's not about me hammering on about what I do, uh, <laughs> you know, so that's uh but i found it beneficial for that but like i don't sit there and scroll through my facebook feed like you would a couple of years ago that's that ship has sailed <laughs> you know the amount of time i used to spend on facebook <laughs> if i had had those hours back the amount of work i could do yeah well i guess i've really tried to you know take the analogy of uh, be be the creator not the consumer you know and really try and just just try and be yeah i guess you know podcasts included and you know trying to build websites and just trying to put stuff out there put content out there instead of constantly consuming because you can get stuck in you know comparison analysis and you can get paralysis analysis and you know you can be looking at other people and going jesus how are you know how are they doing that or how how could they have all their stuff and you can get a little bit frustrated by it and demotivated and and also um you know you can take on too much content too you know where you're like oh my god i don't know where to start there's all these different things i should be doing and you're like you know it, it, it can almost paralyze you with like indecision when um you know really what to focus on is the next best thing that can move your business. You know, you shouldn't really, you should, as hard as it is, try and just focus on that thing. <laughs> no, I know exactly what you mean. I've had a period of that recently, I think, of content paralysis because so many people are putting out so much wonderful stuff and I'm just there like, so, because I, um, I do have a blog on the website, on my website, but it's, it is, it is neglected, I have to admit, and I've got all these ideas for it. But yeah, it's just a matter of actually being like, right, starting with this next. And also, I think a problem that a lot of freelancers have, and some seem to um, overcome it more easily than others, is I have all this paid work to do, and that I could, I have enough of that to fill all my time. So how am I supposed to carve some time out of my day? to um dedicate to something that someone's not actually going to pay me for you know next month as opposed to it's going to be something that's going to be beneficial for me in the future creating content of my own but yeah no, that's something that i'm trying to work on at the moment trying to but yeah sometimes consuming too much content can as you've said just be a bit paralyzing so, I to, I, I'm a hundred percent on board with what you're saying. I mean, that's the probably one of the main reasons I eventually started this podcast was because uh, I wanted to put out content, wanted to create it. I mean, I have a full time job, I run my own online businesses, and it's like I just don't have time to be pu- putting out in depth articles. You know, it's either I'm going to outsource it or I'm going to do it, and I just don't have the time. But I love talking about online business, and I love having conversations with people, and. So that's why, you know, for me, the natural transition was to, I guess, move towards the medium I'm more comfortable with, which is, um, you know, podcasting. I'll push in the video a little bit as I get more confident with it. Like everybody, I'm a little bit weird about being on video, but I mean, whatever, just putting it out there because, uh, you know, it's quick. You know, you can put out a three, five minute video. Uh, I mean, these podcasts are typically 30, 40 minutes. I mean, it's not a, you know, it would take me longer than that to write a, a really in-depth article about something along these topics, you know. So I guess finding the, finding the medium that you can, uh, you find easiest and most comfortable or else uh, you're stuck in that balance that you're talking about. I mean, so many, I often even see web designers like, yeah, I'm web designer, but don't mind my yeah. website. <laughs> <laughs> that's pretty bad advertising you know it's like uh you know but you, you often like you're saying that you're, you're focusing on the paid work which is what pays the bills and you know funds your lifestyle and you can often let your own stuff uh, slip which i mean almost every freelancer i've talked to 
runs that battle. And eventually at some point they're like, right, I have to fix this. And they jump in and at least, you know, f- uh, put some effort into it. So um, I guess, so So can we just uh, ask, can I just ask you a little bit about, you know, along your journey and along the way into, you know, um, working as a translator and as a copywriter, did you pay for mentorship or any courses or coaching along the way that you can um, say helped you on your path or, or maybe didn't help you? You know, was there any anything that you did no I haven't um I'm actually kind of getting to that stage now I think where I'm looking around and thinking what how to get to the next level because I've kind of reached a stage where I've got a fairly um fairly regular income and I feel like I've kind of cracked everything that I'm doing at the moment like I'm doing it well but with the whole side of like marketing my business and that's what the room that's where there's room for improvement so yeah I'm kind of getting to that stage now where I'm looking around at all the the courses on the internet and for potential mentors and thinking um where I'm going to go from here so I'm definitely putting aside um earmarking some money this year to go towards that but obviously again there's just so much out there um that it's kind of hard to find figure out exactly what to invest your money in like everybody's producing amazing courses and amazing content um and there's so many amazing mentors out there so it's like who do I choose yeah no I totally agree with you and I mean I uh I I made my decision this year to finally stop going all over the place and stick with one and like I mentioned I'm doing the authority hacker course because I'm interested I'm just interested in this model of you know I, I love SEO I've been into it for years can I build websites get them ranking get them making money and sell them you know for me that's a business model I find interesting you know what I mean they call it flipping websites or whatever so so I'm just going to do their course no other courses you know nobody else is everybody else get out of my ears <laughs> so if it's not around that or uh, obviously with podcasting there's an element of uh, i mean the online business uh, community that you kind of have to be somewhat involved in i guess but i, I really try not to yeah. like you're saying find, do loads of courses because i'm guilty of that in the past you know like shiny object syndrome you know oh this looks like i'll do this now and i do that for a couple of months and then the next thing comes out and often that's because things can get mundane and boring like you know even when you're building like you know, a website that's focused on seo like honestly if you're doing the work yourself like doing link building is boring uh, writing loads of content about things you're not necessarily passionate about like coffee machines or pillows can <laughs> wear on you you know and the enthusiasm can wane eventually where you're like oh jesus and maybe it's not producing a return at the beginning which was well, not going to be producing a return so so you're going to get caught in that scenario of, um, you know, it becomes the boring and the mundane and it's not exciting. And then somebody comes along with, oh, you know, you can do this with copywriting and make XX if you use click or click funnels or something. You know what I mean? You're like, oh, OK, this sounds interesting. I could do this. <laughs> Off you go down a rabbit hole for three months learning click funnels. <laughs> So, um, well, that's what I'm guilty of. I'm not saying yeah, you are. Yeah, no, definitely. <laughs> but, it's always shiny objects. I think generally millennials or people kind of that have grown up in the internet age, we're all just, you know, we don't have an attention span. Um, so, yeah, committing to something. I guess we're re- we're all rewiring our brains with the with the phones in our pockets. Exactly. And it makes it more di- more difficult to consume and, and to do deep work as well, you know, which is a, a, a book I read recently, which was really um thought provoking i guess for lack of a better word so uh, had you any books along you know that you would read yourself that you found important for your business um i recently read confessions of a misfit entrepreneur 
by Kate Toon, who's a very successful Australian copywriter and has an SEO course, which is one of the things that I'm thinking of taking this year, um, just to boost those skills a little further. Um, and she's great because obviously she's absolutely smashing it in the copywriting world, but she um, does just work from a shed in her garden in her pajamas and she doesn't you know lie about that. She's very honest about how she does it and her ups and downs. And yes, yeah, so it's the whole misfit entrepreneur thing that she's not the one in Bali with the laptop precariously balanced next to a pool, um, pretending that she just does two hours of work a day and then the rest of it's just passive income. You know, um, she really, she does do the passive income model, but she's also like, it does take quite a lot of maintenance as well. So that was a really good book. And one I recommend for anyone who feels like they're not, the you know the killer entrepreneur that's um gonna be able to be generating six figures within two months yeah i've been trying to figure it out for years yeah. still haven't corrected <laughs> <laughs> so it's it's not but i i guess what um kate tune was that's it that you, you, yeah. You said the, yeah kate tune so um I'll, I'll make sure to link to that in the show notes but i guess what she's doing by the sounds of it is being her authentic self which is super is not always uh you know the norm i guess online and and that's maybe why you can relate to her and that's why you like to follow her and you, you trust her um her course or advice to help you because she's not she's not being fake you know it's not it's real it's, it's this is how i really am this is how my business runs it sometimes is great sometimes it sucks but she's being real yes exactly and that's her charm and um I think an awful lot of people were just getting a bit fed up with everybody putting on a facade all the time. And it's just, it's refreshing. Yeah, absolutely. I totally agree. I quite like um, uh, screwed9to5.com, Jill and Josh. They're really cool. And they do, Jill, Jill, Jill is super like that too you know what i mean like and they just had a kid and everything and now to be fair they are traveling around bali and stuff but i mean <laughs> that's their, that's their buzz but they're taking the kid and all with them but which is great i love bali but yeah. um but but, but i guess but they're um but she's always been super upfront about this and about burnout and about com- you know comparing yourselves to other people and you know like i met them when i was living in thailand they were super super um nice you know what i mean we were all living in the same apartments but like they yeah just being authentic you know and uh there's, there's another one alex beden she's really good too she lives in trinidad and tobago um but she's once you know another person who's very very authentic and because uh, she's very authentic people warm to her and i mean even i follow her stuff even though it's all glitz glam girly boss you know but i follow her because her content's good she's she's clever you know but she's also a photographer so her photography is amazing you know and her graphics are ridiculous it's like how do you do that um but yeah she was a photographer and she lives in a class place called you know so it's easy to make your website and your instagram look sweet if uh if if you're a photographer living in trinidad and go um cool so katie can we kind of just uh i guess get your insight into you know if, if you were back at the start and you know if you were listening to this and you were like oh my god i'm you in college or you know i'm in college or even i'm just sick of what i'm doing and i'd love to maybe you know head over to spain and you know do my freelance business you know what tips would you have for those who are maybe getting started if you were back at square one you had no clients no sales you know based on all the experiences you've had what, what would you say to somebody in that position? I'd say that you need to carve yourself out 
the time to be able to dedicate to it. Like I, when I went to Mexico, I was very lucky and I had the luxury of only a 12 hour week of work was supporting me. That was all my bills and expenses. Um, so finding a way to be able to finance your, you know, your surviving, um, and then, but with having those hours available to you every week that you can just dedicate to just plugging away, keeping working, find going out. Cause at the beginning, it's just finding the clients is what takes the time and treating that almost as a full-time part-time job as a client search. If you're a translator, um, just contacting as many agencies as you can on pros the website I was talking about earlier there's um a really little thing called the blue board which is basically a list of all the translation agencies in the world um and they all have translators rate them um so you go on there you look for agencies that work with your language pairs and maybe the subject fields that you'd like to get into and um then just make your job or your part-time job because you'll have to be doing something else to to make your money um sending out 10 emails a day 20 emails a day whatever you can to all those agencies and just be prepared to to put the time into it and treat that as your job until the actual work starts coming along brilliant yeah i mean even uh when you're if you're just doing writing and not translation uh hitting up seo agencies was a, a really powerful way i mean we spoke about that in episode one with carlo and he was uh you know that's what they did they basically just like went on upwork hired somebody to do research get me every agency in the uk <laughs> and then email them and then call them be like hey did you get my email no hey we do freelance writing oh okay gives over a sample boom yeah okay here you go here's some articles and they're like all those agencies I mean, almost every agency outsources their content, like no jokes. I mean, and, and it's very few have in-house writers. And if, you, if you're if you looking at countries like the UK um, and even in the United States, you know, pushing into that $10, $15 uh, as a starter, um, you know, you can get those rates, no problem. Um, but you might have to write about all sorts of things. But yeah, that's like, those are people to target. Uh, in my, I guess, just from my own knowledge as well, if you're if you're listening to this and you're wondering, like, how can we do it? So, Katie, you give some, you give a brilliant option for translators, for freelance writers, you know. Because outside, I mean, I look at Upwork. I'm having wild trouble with Upwork lately. I had two people let me down recently who had been consistently good, and now I'm like, oh, am I back at this stage? Am I got to find new people again? And I'm inviting people, and nobody's coming on board. And then people come on board, and they have too much work on already. It's like I'm. It drives me nuts sometimes. <laughs> yeah, no, it's not on both sides of the yeah. And it takes twenty percent on the poor writer. That's not fair or on the freelancer. I mean, that's a serious chunk. Somebody's got to beat that. <laughs> you know, go like it's not very fair, is it? Like you know, um, no, not at all. So uh, no, that's awesome. And so, and Katie, where can people find you if they wanted to reach out to you to connect to uh, you know maybe talk about your services? Um, so I'm, my website is katieuniac.com um, for the spelling. Just check the podcast title because, yeah, it's an interesting surname. Um, and, and Twitter also, katieuniac. Um, and, yeah, absolutely, DMs are open. Love to chat to anyone. And if anybody is passing through Granada and would like um, to meet up and have a chat, I'm always, um, always love to meet new people and people that are doing interesting, fun things. 
Katie, thank you very much. You have an awesome story and I wish you every success with your business moving thank forward. You. Thank you for listening to today's episode of the Digital Nomad Cafe podcast. If you enjoyed this episode and you found it actionable and inspiring, please be sure to give us a rating on iTunes and share it on your social media profiles. You know, tag us on Instagram. Um, you know, get the word out there. Share it in any Facebook groups that you're in where, where people might be freelancers, remote employees, um, online entrepreneurs, anywhere that you feel and anyone that you feel could benefit from learning from today's insights and and the story and the journey of this entrepreneur who is on today's podcast and um, please help get the word out there and you know every rating helps every every new listener helps and all we're trying to do here is to inspire people and you know share stories to show that it is possible to create that digital nomad lifestyle and also just you know the real nitty-gritty of what it actually takes to build an online business whether that be as a freelancer or as an online business owner Thank you for listening to the Digital Nomad Cafe podcast. Head over to the website to access the resources and links mentioned in today's episode at digitalnomadcafe.com.